Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. Yo, 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 welcome back. Another episode of the Economics Podcast. This week we're getting Boris and them the fuck out of here. Those listening to my podcast previously or see me on Twitter, I've been spoken, I've been speaking, sorry, about how badly Boris needs to go. The government's handling of the coronavirus has been pretty much abysmal. Outside Rishi throwing the bag at us. It's been pretty evident but I was waiting and waiting until I got more and more evidence because well, you know when you're reading through the tea leaves and you're seeing certain things like Boris talking about coronavirus and shaking the next man's hand and do you know what I mean? And saying, oh, it's just like a flu and just the lack of preparation from day one. This threat has been imminent since January. Uh, uh, explosive, as the media people them say, article came out I'm recording on Sunday. Thank God I waited till Sunday to do this. And which details quite explicitly how much of a shit show and how badly prepared the government was. Which, for for us paying attention, and me and Dr. Lee spoke about it about a month or two ago, or a month or six weeks ago, it was evident how ill-prepared we was. And we are now seeing it in HD. And this, to me, also shows that the heat is on the government. It's probably worse than it actually is what we see, because obviously we're not getting the numbers from the community in terms of deaths and infections coming through as much. And, you know, the heat's on, the, on them. Like, you've seen all week, health sec, um, oh, I can't remember the other lady that was getting panned by Pierce. Basically, Pierce is just panning hella people. Government not being able to answer any of the questions directly hit to them in the daily presses. The press get onto them, and they know that the leadership wasn't there, so they just throw Boris under the bus. So first of all, we're going to start off with the gist. We're going to compare and contrast with South Korea and Germany. And then we're going to talk about the presses a little bit. But let's go through why Boris needs to get the fuck out of here, dog. Okay, cool. Today's what? I'm recording, I think it's April the 20th. No, April 19th, but day ahead. Let's take it back to January the 24th. At this time, coronavirus... Everybody knows coronavirus can be transmitted from person to person. Six countries, six countries have coronavirus cases. And we have a health meeting. No, we have a meeting, a COBA meeting, yeah? Where the health sec, after, it was a quick one hour thing, by the way. Quick one hour thing. Health sec, which is Matt Hancock, who's been made to look like an absolute mug, left, right, and sitting on. This brother is drowning, dog. In fact, even he's drowning so badly in one of his addresses to the um, to the country in, in terms of the daily updates. He was, he was trying to look like he was crying and sad. Big man, we don't believe you. Yeah, we don't believe you, cuz. We don't believe you. You're fraud. Anyway, he came out and with his gutter mouth said, yo, dog, the threat is low. 
these times, the talk was that this is comparable to the infamous Spanish flu that happened in the early, like around 1918. This wiped out 50 million people. And people are talking, and scientists are talking, this is comparable. We're going to get to that later. Boris wasn't even present for this meeting, for this COBRA meeting. And COBRA spelled C-O-B-R, but it's pronounced, but it's often depicted as COBRA, C-O-B-R-A. It's short for the Cabinet Office Briefing, um, Cabinet Office Briefing Room. And this is high-level meeting that has ministers, military generals, and high-level um, intelligence chiefs. So these are very, very important meetings and they only happen when they are, is it threats to the nation? So we're talking national disasters, we're talking terrorism, any other form of attack. And it's usually chaired by the PM. Where was the PM to stay? He was at a reception with a Chinese ambassador for some Lunar New Year thing, probably eating a one-two dim sum and that. <laughs> he managed to find time for that, but not for a coping... Okay. Boris Johnson, over the next five weeks went on to miss another four meetings. So he missed five COBRA meetings during a pandemic. Five. In a two, in like a 12-day period, man was on a countryside retreat, like a work, I'm doing inverted comments, like a work break with his missus who's pregnant and that. And he's he's like, yeah, we kind of need a break still. Fam, we've just left the EU We've got coronavirus, coronavirus on our ass. And my name is catching a tan on that. <laughs> Say no more. The next time he attended a COBRA meeting was in March the 2nd. And by then, the virus was local. It's already come through the country. You see it? Like, this is gross, this is gross misconduct. He's a prime minister. The prime minister. The prime fucking minister. Senior advisors, listen, there's been a hell of leaks, my, my Gs. My name was just freeing up the gist. A senior advisor basically said he singled out the PM and spoke of weeks of complacency and a lack of leadership. Here are some interesting nuggets. Boris didn't work on weekends. Working on a weekend like usual. Boris can't relate. Boris can't, How are you a prime minister? You're not even... When you agree <laughs> or... Chase Prime Minister and you're getting paid over 200 bags a year it comes with a certain level of responsibilities some listeners um, have a business or they're entrepreneurs or they are influencers or creatives they work weekends they understand the nature of their job some of you may be lawyers maybe accountants maybe project managers do you know what I mean? You probably have to check your emails and sometimes do something on the weekend. Some people, have, I've heard going to office on the weekend. People that work are, are, are beloved healthcare workers are working night shifts sometimes on the weekend. Do you get me? Sometimes they're on call on the weekend. The Prime Minister is taking weekends off. He's doing up Magic Johnson for the Lakers. The Prime Minister also didn't often chair meetings. And, I, and he was known for, quote, loving a country break. So this just sounds like Magic Johnson, like he was the, the Lakers a bas president of basketball operations, which is a very strange job. And he doesn't work on weekends, go on a holiday. Do, like you're the prime minister. How could, why are you the prime minister? You're not chairing meetings. What, what is your purpose? Like, like, what is your purpose? Like, are you just happy to be here? And as, I, as me and my boy, Dr. Lee was talking about, he's known for not being able to pay attention to the details. Like he's known for this, like he's known for this, but he's a prime minister. Also, PPE kits. These are protective kits that we see. We're talking about the gloves, the gowns, the masks, 
and all that type of stuff. And we've seen a lot in the news this week, those who follow my updates, has been a big deal because healthcare workers aren't being protected. And we're seeing healthcare workers die to coronavirus. In this country, we have emergency stockpiles of PPE kits. But over the years, they have dwindled and they've become outdated. Remember, on one of my podcasts, I was speaking about how uh, um, some, some masks delivered to GPs and, and healthcare staff were actually outdated and they were putting stickers on top of them to kind of hide the fact they're outdated. Why do we have outdated and low stockpiles? Well, austerity. As the Tories, uh, as David Cameron won the election to, in um, 2010, and we're now in 2020, over a 10-year period, obviously this Tory government hasn't embarked on austerity, and towards the end of Theresa May's government, um, austerity ended, or they announced it ended, but for, for pretty much seven to eight years, we were under a state of austerity, and maintaining these stockpiles was low on the priority list. In fact, also training key workers to deal with pandemics was also put on a back burner for two years, with stuff like no door Brexit prioritised. Now, compared to South Korea, who got hit with, was it SARS or Mars? I can't remember. In 2015, and I think about 100 or something people died. Since then, they moved digital. Like, they changed up everything. Like, they've got, they increased their diagnostics ability. They've got this app where they changed their, um, they changed legislations where they're prioritising healthcare for privacy, where they can now track civilians and work out if you, okay, cool, if you've got a virus, we know you've been in contact with this person, this person, this person, and we could show an app the hotspot regions where you've been because you've obviously been touching poles and stuff like that. So South Korea, what, when this thing came, they were moving digital. Like, they have, like, over 600 individual areas where they're testing people. So you're driving through, they're doing drive-through testing. So they're testing people on absolute madness, and they're able to trace and contain a virus a lot better than us. We're going to get to that later. The casualties level was made clear from early from scientists to the government in January. And this was repeated all throughout February. So they been knew that this is a very, 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 very big thing. In fact, the government sent 279,000 PPE equipment to China. Instead, instead of trying to source stuff from China, we're shipping the man them off stuff. Like, I'd have that, take that, feed your family. Little did we know, or little did they think, that we won't get hit heavy like this. An Imperial Port, um, and this is the Imperial College, um, massive university in London, headed up by Professor Neil Ferguson in January, warned that the cases have, are spreading outside China. There's 4,000 cases outside China. Like, this is a real risk to spread across the world. Let's take it to the stage meeting on January 22nd. Bear in mind, we're talking January, B. We're now in, in three days from this recording, it will be April 22nd. So it'll be three, four months since. So SAGE is the Scientific Advisory Group of Emergencies. So they had a meeting. The members of this tend to be quite low-key. Um, but we know a few, like, for example, um, Neil Ferguson, prof um, a professor from Imperial College. And they stated that the new findings from China said a virus has an unusually high infectivity rate of up to 3.0. Infectivity rate is, okay, cool. If I've got the virus, how many people can I potentially infect? And an infectivity rate of three people is extremely high. And it's unusual. The Imperial Professor Neil Ferguson also said that his estimates kind of concluded similar. Like, it, he's saying he's looking at uh, um, an infectivity rate of 2.6 people and could be as high as 3.5. He sent this report to the ministers two days later, January 24th. Yeah? 
And that's the day they discuss things for one hour and they say, yo, it's Cacman's life, bruv. Like, the, the, the risk is low. Bearing in mind the Spanish flu that I referenced earlier that pammed off 50 million people had an infectivity rate of 2.0 to 3.0. And also in that report that Neil Ferguson sent to the ministers on January 22nd, 24th, he said, we need a lockdown. So we could have been on lockdown since January where the cases were mad low. But no. The University of Southampton had a study and their study found that approximately 190,000, and let me repeat, 190,000, which is about two-thirds of the population of Leeds, flew from Wuhan, which has a population of 11 million people, and other high-risk um, high, um, cities into the UK from January to March. And they estimate about 1% of those, which is 1,900 people, had coronavirus. 1,900 people approximately potentially could have entered the country from January to March. Bearing in mind, the virus can infect three people. <laughs> has infected your rate of three people. Do the math. So, 1,900 people could, inf could have infected three people. And then you do that number, times one up for three, times one up, you get my gist. The funny thing is, our emergency planning and resources, ever since 9-11, for a decade, had apparently been the envy of the world. We, had, we funded it highly. We were very patterned. We are doing drills and all them things there. But the Tories, since their man came through, and austerity, this type of spending got put on a back burner. Now, another reason why Boris, Matt Hancock, all these men need to bounce... It's because the government had been planning on the basis of herd immunity. A herd immunity is when you see a virus as a flu and you don't have a vaccine and your plan is to let the virus take its course and eventually die out. Herd immunity doesn't require much testing because you're expecting a virus to run its course, right? By the end of January, the government were focused, absolutely focused on herd immunity. The issue was that there was a discrepancy on the opinion of the virus. In the West, so in the UK and US, and we're seeing how we're getting pammed as well as the US are getting pammed. Like I think the other day, US had 4,000 deaths in total one flipping day. In New York, they had 1,000 deaths in one day. The state of New York, shall I say. They're seeing this more as a flu. Whereas in the East, so we're talking China and them, they're seeing this as a deadly virus similar to SARS that requires lockdown. So that is why the government went ahead of this herd immunity bollocks. For example, the special advice of the Prime Minister, goes by the name of Dominic Cummings, you might have heard him of him, he's been said to have been bang on herd immunity. So this can kind of explain the government's actions for the since January onwards. Failure to obtain large amounts of testing equipment in Feb is also very key. We do not increase Britain's private laboratory capacity to mass produce tests. For example, if you take the chief executive of the British Invertro Diagnostic Association, a lady by the name of Doris Sam Williams, who represents 110 companies in this um, industry, and they represent the vast majority of the industry, she said there was not a single meaningful approach up until April the 1st. So, that, so the government did not approach the diagnostics industry 
properly until 20 days ago. And that's a day before Matt Hancock got rattled in the presser and said, yo, boom, we're going to, by the end of the month, we're going to be testing 100,000 people a day. What? No, we're going to do, we're going to be having 100,000 tests a day. And I remember, because I remember I posted an update that day because they were talking about 25,000. That been a gist for a couple of days or a week or two. And then I can't remember the um, uh, uh, user on Instagram hit me up, I shout out her, I can't remember her name. She said, oh, but they said 100,000. I'm not sure if you didn't hear that, but just check it to make let you know. And I hear up back saying, yeah, I heard that, but I thought he might have misspoke. Maybe he meant a week or something. So I'm going to wait for him to say it again. I'll put it in my update. Because it didn't make sense. At the beginning of the press, he said 25 bags. By the end of the press, he said 100 bags. Like, what type of inflation would be this one? This is mad. The government have to go. Their negligence, their complacency, their nonchalance has cost so many lives. Not only has it cost so many lives, it has cost so many jobs. Because potentially, if we've gone into lockdown from early January or, or late January, early Feb, if we've been ramping up testing from early Feb, we could have been coming out the lockdown potentially pretty soon. And economic activity could start to resume by now. And more importantly, lives wouldn't have been lost to this extent. It is unforgivable. The primary objective of the government, as I've always said on my podcast, is to act in the best interest of the people that elected them or didn't elect them. It doesn't matter. You represent us all. And what? And the top thing, the top priority in our best interest is maintaining our safety and well-being. And this government has failed that at a level that I think is unprecedented. It's absurd. And the scariest thing is that this week, data was coming out saying this government has had the highest approval of a Tory government in 40 years. I hope this article, and it should, be enough to destroy this government because they have to go. This is, this, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Do you know how many people are in hospital fighting for their lives? Do you know how many people have lost their loved ones? And just the disruption to our day-to-day lives, like we can't see loved ones, we can't see friends, people's businesses are shut, people can't go to work, people can't earn and feed their families. It's insane. 15,464 people, this is as of yesterday, Saturday, have died in hospital, let alone the amount of people that have died in community. For example, um, Piers Morgan, who's been on point for this whole thing, I can't even lie to him, he'll stick it on Mac Hancock a couple of days ago saying, yo, the streets are saying 4,000 people died of care homes. Is this true? Man was dodging the question. What does that say? It says one of two things. Either yes, it is true or potentially worse or B, they don't know, which is equally as unforgivable. So we've got 15,000 people died, 15.5 thousand people have died as of Saturday. And the estimates right now is that for every every 13 deaths in hospital, that's one in the community. So you do the math. Estimates right now are saying almost half the people that go to ICU don't make it. We're seeing a disproportionate amount of deaths in black 
Asian and other ethnic minorities. These times I've seen in Germany, man are doing 50,000 tests per day. Man are giving out certificates. If you've had coronavirus, you've beat, you've got a certificate, now you could be out on the streets anymore. So, like, we don't even, there's no clear exit plan here. And the fact that people are still, our airports are still open and people are still able to fly in and out of the country and not get tested and not get put into quarantine for two weeks to see just in case is absurd. It's absurd. It's insane. Like even my people from Ghana are telling me, if you fly into Ghana, you have to self, they make you self-isolate for two weeks. And big, big Britain, big economy, big boys. Nah, it's a joke. I initially want to talk about the Labour Party document, but I thought I'm going to postpone. I want to delve into it deeper and get some young men and women who may be supporters of Labour to kind of get their opinion and we can have a proper discussion about this. But in this week, we've seen Labour leaks when Labour members are throwing alley-oops to the media and to the ops them to, to bully members of their party, self-sabotage um, Jeremy Corbyn in 2017. How are you self-sabotaging an election? Um, laughing at members of the black women getting racially abused. And we've got the Conservatives who want a complete and utter joke thing, having a jolly up while there's a pandemic brewing. What does it say about our, go our government? And if this isn't a wake-up call to all of us that are listening to this podcast and reading this article across the country to pay more attention to politics and to hold these people accountable, it never will. Boy, that's the end of the podcast. I don't, I don't want to talk to you, man, because I'm actually fuming. It's just disgusting. This is... I can't believe this. Joy's work, it was mad. It's like watching Messi for me. Like, I knew this, but seeing it put in front of me still surprises me. Like, I know Messi's the best player ever, but still seeing him run past Freeman and take the keeper still surprises me. I don't know why. But yeah, that's it for this week's pod. Please share this pod. Uh, listen on SoundCloud. Follow on Spotify. Follow on Apple Podcasts. You can catch uh, my daily updates on Twitter at underscore nomics or on Instagram at disnomics. Um, also catch me on the Last Few Digits podcast with Bola and Nico. Check that out. But yeah, until next week. God bless. Stay safe. Stay at home. Sports Social Podcast Network.